Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of How To Be Sound is sponsored by Revive Active, Ireland's fastest growing super supplement company, whose dietary supplements are formulated and made right here in Ireland. They sell easy-to-take, high-quality vitamin, mineral and nutrient-loaded sachets for a variety of different needs from their original Revive Active sachets, which contain all of your recommended daily allowance of amino acids, vitamins and minerals, to their Beauty Complex sachet, which contains marine collagen and hyaluronic acid to plump skin from within. If you follow me on Instagram stories, you'll know that I've actually been taking Beauty Complex for a couple of months now, and I do really believe that it's made a difference to the dehydration lines on my skin, especially kind of around my eyes and my upper cheeks. And now you can get in on the action with a 15% discount code for how to be sound listeners. Just use the code sound at reviveactive.com. Welcome to episode two of the almost brand new podcast, How To Be Sound, with me, your host, Rosemary McCabe. Thank you so much to everybody who listened to episode one, who took the time to rate on iTunes. Nobody reviewed it just yet, so I'm raging at that. But thank you so much to everybody who did listen and to all the great feedback that I got. Before we get started, I have a teeny tiny little corrections corner slash addition to episode one. In episode one, we were talking about cloth nappies and a lovely follower on Twitter let me know that you can actually buy cloth sanitary towels, which I have since ordered from fluffybums.ie. I have heard kind of mixed reviews. Some people said that they're a bit clunky and feel a bit like wearing a nappy and other people have said that they're great. So I am going to try it out on my next menstrual period and I will let you know in episode three and I bet you can't wait. Just a little heads up, I have a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash howtobesound, you can help support how to be sound, which basically means lining my pockets. No, it doesn't mean lining my pockets. It means helps helping me to pay for equipment and production and, you know, eventually scones and nice alcoholic beverages for my guests if I manage to get any guests who are not pregnant, which brings me to today's guest is Rebecca Flynn. She is well, or was a body positivity activist and has now taken a little bit of a step back. She's a stay-at-home mom and she, she's probably going to hate this. I consider Rebecca one of the few influencers I follow on social media because more than once she has said or done or shown something that I have gone, wow, I really want to start doing that, buy that, look into that. Um, and I think that that's really in the spirit of what influencing should be about. So Rebecca, hello and welcome. Hi, that's really nice. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. No, but I mean, <laughs> that is kind of why I wanted to have you on is because a lot of what you say and do on, on um, Instagram stories, you talk a lot about just your life, right? And kind of yeah. like random things that are happening. But in a way <laughs> that I, we don't really see so many Irish women do. And what I mean by that is it kind of reminds me of Busy Phillips one day. Um, she is, well, well, I know her best, well, from Instagram Well, I'm the stories. image of her first. <laughs> My God, absolute spit. Um, Busy Phillips is an actress <laughs> who was wish. in Dawson's Creek and is now kind of one of the, the best and most prolific Instagram storyers, I guess. But she talks a lot about how she doesn't owe people her time and she doesn't owe people her work. And when she gets kind of criticisms or complaints from followers saying, oh, that's really boring that you're doing this, or somebody give out to her for doing an ad, for example. And she was so unapologetic and going, no, like, I'm entertaining you and I need, you know, you're not paying for it, so somebody has to pay for it. And I think that's very much in the spirit of what I get from you in terms of valuing your work and valuing yourself. So well done. Thanks. <laughs> but to go back a little bit, so so I mentioned there that you were a body positivity activist. And when I first started following you, you were running Body Positive Ireland, yeah. the pages on, on Facebook and Instagram. How did, yeah. how did you get into that and, and, and how did that happen? Um, so it was a few years ago and I had been pretty unhappy. Well, pretty unhappy is a bit of an understatement. I had terrible self-esteem and terrible body image and... I found a woman on Instagram who actually, I don't want to say who it is because she's super problematic. Okay. <laughs> within problematic the body positive. Faves, problematic yeah, faves. Within, well, but she kind of was like, a, like introduced me to the idea of loving yourself at any size or whatever. And then I kind of started following other people. And after a while, I was like kind of going, is, is anybody in Ireland doing this? I've subsequently found out that there were other people doing it, but I didn't know of them. So mm. 
just as is very typical of me, I threw myself in feet first going, I'm just going to do this without any thought or consideration of like where it was going to go. And I was like, I'll just start a Body Positive Ireland like community, Instagram page, Facebook. And then I started Snapchatting about it. Obviously, I've since um, left Snapchat. Yeah, so I started that up in summer 2016. And I did it for about a year. Over a year. Oh, just over a year. year, Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so where, you said there that you didn't really think about where it was going to go. No, not a clue. Where did it go and did it surprise you? Totally surprised me. It started off kind of nicely quiet, like just the right amount of engagement and the right amount of people, followers, I, I... obviously the language around it I, do, I don't use the language but that's what it's called yeah. on Instagram it does sound a bit uh, culty doesn't yeah, it like I don't, I'm, not, I'm not crazy about it so I was really enjoying it then people like yourself and a few other people with profile on Snapchat started watching and then started telling people and it was great uh, delighted but then between a few different things last summer, I was like, OK, I've had enough. <laughs> I've had enough. Yeah. Yeah. So. And um, like for the completely uninitiated, the term body positivity seems really self-explanatory, right? That you're like, it's about feeling positive about your body. Mm. But it's not really, is it? <laughs> so like, like well, what is it actually about? It's a about? political movement. Yeah. Yeah. So I think sometimes people conflate it with that idea of like, I'm going to love myself no matter what I look like. And. That is amazing, but that is self-confidence, self-love, good body image. It's not body positivity. Like Body positivity is a movement that was created by fat women for fat women. And when I use the word fat, I use it in the sense of it being merely a descriptor. Yeah. It is not the loaded term that we've come to know it as. And a lot of fat women have reclaimed it as just a word used to describe what their body looks like. Like I would describe myself as being tall or white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's just a really interesting concept to me because when I, so Louise Thompson of Made in Chelsea fame, uh, who I followed for a while on Instagram stories because I was very interested in her fitness content. Yeah. Um, but I've now basically unfollowed every thin white woman who writes about fitness because they don't really write about fitness in a way that I find particularly engaging or inspiring. But anyway, she's releasing a book this year, I think, in kind of March or April called Body Positive. And I wrote a blog post about this basically saying this is bullshit because she does not need the body positivity movement. And she also does not speak for it. Like she has never advocated for that I know of for fat women, for women of color, for women who are different shapes or sizes to her. And she very much seems to promote a very kind of homogenous idea of fitness and beauty and fitness as being aesthetic rather than you can be fit no matter what you look. You you know what I mean? You can't see fitness. Yeah. And I got so much backlash from people who were going, you're basically excluding thin people from feeling positive about their bodies, which was so frustrating. And was like, was that something that you found when you were running the pages? Like, did you get backlash from women? I did get that backlash quite frequently. It just, it's very frustrating because I'm like, how are thin women excluded like you are so included in all media in all aspects of life this one movement is not for you Mm. the benefits of it it will benefit everybody yeah and by all means follow this amazing body positive activists go out there and do do the work towards dismantling fat phobia and diet culture by all means please do but the movement was created by fat women, for fat women. But I mean, um, for, for women whose bodies and whose, whose images aren't being represented by mainstream media or anywhere, you know, yeah. not just kind of mainstream media, but even niche media. When you look at stuff like tattoo magazines, you know, sure, you have women who have maybe bigger breasts than they would have in Vogue, but they're still, by and large, thin white women. You know, quote unquote, beautiful, as in very symmetrical, very slim and m- mostly white. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, very, so, it's really frustrating. But, but, you know, that's not to discount, I'm not, all that stuff I'm saying is not to discount the experiences of how unrealistic beauty standards affect all of us. So even the thinnest, most beautiful or the standard idea mm. of beauty woman could still absolutely hate her body and hate her looks. And, yeah. and and have an eating disorder and whatever. That's so that's not to discount her experience, 
But it's to also recognise that she can move through the world without experiencing the same oppression that a fat woman yeah. or a woman of colour or a woman with a disability. I should say people because it is people. Women are more affected by it. Um, but it is getting worse for... Yeah, it's getting worse for everyone. Yeah. I think. But um, she still has the privilege of moving through the world. You know, the world fits her. Mm. She doesn't experience discrimination from medical professionals. She can sit in an airplane seat and yeah. fit into it and not have people giving her dirty looks or actually asking outright to be moved. Yeah. Um, so I just... Okay, so the title of your podcast is How to Be Sound. And I just like, my number one thing that I'm like, just to be sound is to, if something makes you feel defensive and uncomfortable, instead of lashing out and going on the defensive, question why it makes you feel that way. Mm. And so if you feel defensive about body positivity and like, why can't I be part of this movement? It's like, you can, but you can't centre yourself. Yeah. You're yeah. not the most important thing in it. Well, you can you can help this movement and, and you can talk to your kids about it. You can talk to your family and your friends about it. Yeah. You can, and I mean, one of the big kind of indicators to me of the body positivity movement does or doesn't focus on you or is or isn't aimed at you is... If you're a woman who's wearing a T-shirt with a bag of chips on it, right? You know those T-shirts that say like fries over guys and stuff? Ask yourself, is anybody going to be looking at you and going, huh, typical, like she shouldn't be wearing that. Because basically that's, that's fat phobia is like the idea that it's like laughable for a fat woman to wear a t-shirt with, with but food But it's cool it. for a thin but woman. But it's cool for a thin woman. Or the whole idea of like a thin woman who has a massive appetite and does that like being those super eating, sexy. eating competitions or whatever. And yeah. oh my God, isn't she so awesome? But if a bigger woman, fat woman did that. Yeah. It, people would be appalled. Yeah, that they'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe she's doing, you know, I can't believe she's doing that. Would she not have some self-respect? Yeah, it's super double standards. Like, yeah, and it's yeah. gross. Yeah. Um. So what what was it that made you step away from the accounts? And, and, and I don't want to focus on this for the whole thing because I have loads more that I want to okay. grill you about. But what was it that made you think, okay, you know what? This isn't, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, there was a few, there was a few different reasons. Like most people who follow me on social media, know that I had a miscarriage last year so for personal reasons I had a lot going on with regards to wanting to heal from that and come back from that and now obviously I'm six months pregnant so I'm delighted um but also found I've also found pregnancy very challenging so um so there was that so stuff on a personal level and then also I didn't I didn't want to center myself because I have so much privilege. So I am plus size. I will be considered what's called in, in the fat positive body positive movement. I will be considered a small fat. So um that's really cute. <laughs> it is kind of cute. Like, Which is I'm funny because I'm nearly 6 foot and I'm like there's nothing small but, but anyway <laughs> that's my own sort of ideas about myself in my head but um, but I do move move through the world with so much privilege. People don't touch at me when I sit yeah. beside or don't want to sit beside me on the bus or I don't get people saying things to me. Now, I have had some met while I've been pregnant. I've had some BMI bullshit yeah. um, aimed at me. So there has been that. And actually, this is my first time experiencing anything like that. And it is horrific. And I can totally see why fat women and women with high BMIs avoid going to the yeah. doctor. But obviously it's unavoidable when you're pregnant. So Yeah. Um but yeah, I I have all this privilege and I realized at a certain point I was like, I'm taking the platform away from somebody who needs it more and it wasn't someone particular, just Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to be taking that platform. And it took me a while to get there of feeling like, well, I deserve a place in body positivity too. And then I was like, you know what? I can still talk about it. I can still amplify amplify the voices that I think are important, the messages that I think are important, but I'm not taking this platform anymore. Yeah. It's not mine. I am white, only just on, I'm on the lower end of plus size. But you can still shop in... 
yeah, a exactly. Lot of shops I can't shop well. in Zara. Well, look, none of us can shop in Zara. <laughs> so, um, but I can still like the larger sizes in most mainstream shops will fit me. Yeah, so I'm like white, able-bodied, cisgender, middle-class woman, and I was like, I don't need. I'm not oppressed. Yeah, you know. So well, obviously, I'm a aside woman. Aside from the woman part, yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. an Irish woman in particular. <laughs> Thank you and well done for getting this far in episode two of How To Be Sound. If you like what you're listening to and you would like to help support the podcast, then you can do so right now on Patreon, patreon.com slash howtobesound. There are a few different options. You can donate an amount per month starting at $3.33. I'm sorry, it's in dollars. That's just typical, isn't it? Just typical. But anyway, it is in dollars. You can donate as much or as little as you wish. And I would really, 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 really appreciate it. Rebecca, where do you think we are now in terms of body positivity? Well, I do feel like it's a good thing that body positivity has become more mainstream. But at the same time, in in the becoming of more mainstream, it's been watered down. It's kind of being diluted, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's it's a tough one to kind of measure because it's kind of... I love that fashion is changing, that fat women have more options. Mm. They still don't have as, enough as far as I'm concerned. Um, like high-end retailers, designers aren't making clothes oh no, for fat crap. women. Yeah. Um, which is really disappointing because I know myself, I'm like, I have the money to buy nice, nice things. Yeah, and you like nice things. That are slightly more on the expensive side. Yeah. But it's not, it's not available, it's not available mm. to me. And, you know, I'm a size 18. I'm <laughs> like, what about the yeah. amazing stylish woman who's a size 26 or... Yeah, yeah. Or 32 or yeah. 34. Yeah, so they're not being catered to, to at all. Obviously, yeah, we're, we are all seeing loads more of it and they're, but it's still, cent- it's still centering acceptable bodies um, or like socially, what's considered societally acceptable um, the kind of hourglass shape. Yeah. And there white, still is... beautiful women. Yeah. And there still is a lot of kind of health shaming. And I know even... Um, it's a conversation I that I have a lot. I know the health shaming it's is... so exhausting. But like I have this conversation a lot at work because I work in a gym now as a personal trainer and we obviously chat a lot about... So I really try not to push my clients towards, say, dieting. If a client comes to me and goes, you know what, I really want to lose body fat or do X, Y, Z, I will help them, them and I'll give them the tools. But that's not the first thing that I say to them. I wait for them to come to me. And I also don't... I and don't, dieting looks very different these days well, to yeah. how we used to. It's dressed up as health. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and we're, well, we're, we're kind of coming out of clean eating, but like... It's just being replaced by other variations of kind of, you know, gluten free or low gluten or the kind of keto diet and all of these things that are still very restrictive. And that's why, like, especially with my clients being mostly female, that I know that most females who come into me have had kind of difficult experiences with food or have had disordered eating at one time or another. So I don't want to push that on them. Yeah. But the fact that so many people come into me and they go, I really want to be X weight or I really want to fit into X size kind of makes me go, well, we're still really far away. Yeah. Yeah. From going like, because, because for me, the focus is always on, on, well, like from a trainer point of view, it's always on health and it's always on uh, strength and neither of those, you can't see either of those things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that makes no difference what size you are. It makes no difference what, what weight you are. You can be super healthy and you can be super strong. And even if you're not super healthy, like I have, I have clients as well who, wouldn't be quote unquote healthy because maybe they eat loads of crisps and they love crisps, but then they're they're healthier because they're not obsessing over it and they're mental not. They don't, yeah, they don't well, have control. Well, mental health is forgotten so much within the health, within the kind of movement and push towards health, with regards to like eating fresh yeah. food and eating eating quote unquote well. Um it's 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 forgotten like the so i i've done all the diets under the sun um and the last thing i did was clean eating paleo Paleo, yeah yeah and i just (laughs) i was talking to somebody about it the other day and i was like my true my treat (laughs) and i'm doing quote marks in the evening was two squares of dark chocolate, a kiwi fruit and a handful of almonds. And 
I was that that is really freaking depressing. Yeah. Um, that feels like and when it I, wasn't um, good for my head. No. And I actually like I ended up that... having a bit of a meltdown. Yeah, from yeah. being so super controlled. Yeah. yeah. When I went on that I went on a weight loss boot camp for a piece. Um, and actually, well, I'm, I remember I'm that. really sorry I ever went because I think the year after that was my worst year in terms of body image and in terms of control about food or lack of control and then the guilt that would ensue from that. Yeah. But our kind of treat would be uh, one day we got like one strawberry and three almonds in a little like little glass. It's so offensive. In but like who wants cup. to eat one strawberry? Like amazing. See, this is the thing that bugs me so much about it as well. It's like if something's telling me the fruit that I can't have freaking fruit. Yeah. Like, oh, there's too much sugar in that. That It's just too far. It's too far if you really think about it. It's like my toddler and kid and kids, if you leave them to if you leave them be. OK, so he's not a toddler anymore. He's nearly four. So he's a preschooler. Preschooler. I don't really know what to refer to him as anyway. Three and a half year old. Um, They have amazing intuition around food. Yeah. And some evenings he won't. Now, a lot of evenings he won't even look at the dinner I've cooked and he just eats three bananas. <laughs> what a brat. <laughs> like, I prepared this for I you. No, I'm like, I just spent an hour making this delicious dinner and you're just eating bananas. But we do this thing. So um, there's a woman, a, a dietitian called Ellen Satter, and she has amazing books about nutrition and feeding your family. And she's like the number one recommended person um, to read by eating disorder organisations because there's no guilt around. She doesn't moralise around food or anything. Mm. And she has a book about um, how to raise kids that aren't picky eaters and stuff like that, um, which is a concern to a lot of parents. So we just lay everything out. No. So instead of giving him a plate of food, I lay everything in the middle of the table. And he just helps himself. And he just helps himself. So I'm giving him some control. Mm. But I'm also in charge of what's... What's there. There. Yeah. So he'll be like, okay, well, I'll have some of this pasta and I'll have a few, like, carrots or whatever. Um... But a lot of the time he does just... Because we have the fruit bowl on the table as well. He'll just reach for the fruit bowl. But I'm not going to stop him. Yeah. (laughs) But according to paleo or clean eating, he's just had like... Sugar overload. A mad amount of sugar because he had three bananas. And they're always brown spotty bananas, so they're really sugary. sugary. (laughs) Yes, so... um, But I'm I'm like, they're bananas. It's so funny thinking about kids and how they eat because I know that my sister, her eldest son is six and doesn't have a huge appetite, which is very unusual for our family. But my mom and dad, when they're over, my poor mom, I'm criticising my mother again. Claxon, um, when they're over. Wait until I get started. I'm joking. I'm joking. My mom would always have been very much like, you finish everything that's on your plate before you get your dessert. And it didn't matter how much or how, or how little was on your plate or whether it was like a third of things it's you don't really like. It's a really Irish thing, I yeah. think, as well. Like, obviously. Yeah. And I think then, then you grow up like, I have a real hang up about wasting food. Same. Even though, logically, it's wasted whether I eat it and don't want it or put it in the bin. You know what I mean? That it's still going to end up somewhere in mush gross Um, but she is always trying to get my nephew to finish things and my sister keeps going no mum no she's like he is allowed to stop eating when he wants to stop eating and if he decides he's full and if he just eats they have amazing intuition around food yeah and if he just eats like a third of his chicken and two tomatoes we don't care because that's what he wants and like you know it's not that later on they're going to be like let him eat 17 dairy milks but if he comes down later on he goes can I have some chocolate they also give him, you know what I mean they mm. really let him take control yeah not to you know like well I see it insane, now with my like, husband who um he grew up in a house where they had like a treat cupboard whereas I grew up in a house where we had like freaking carob bars and like look at you are middle class what's a carob bar <laughs> it's like this disgusting pretend chocolate you don't want to know oh I'm like, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> but, um, like, I used to bring mackerel and brown bread to school for my lunch. <laughs> I used to bring tuna and ketchup okay. on a sandwich. So, that's the same thing. But he, he grew up in a house where... The, so, my my mum would have always been, you know, we don't have things like that in the house. Now, I was allowed to spend my pocket money on 
sweets if I wanted on a Sunday or whatever. Yeah. But within it was it was restricted, it was limited. Um whereas Jim had a cupboard that he could just go to whenever he wanted and have crisps, biscuits, chocolate, like a whole myriad of what we refer to as junk. I don't like calling it junk. I call it goodies. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I don't like calling it a treat either because yeah. that psychologically makes us think that... God, it's also fraught, isn't it? It is very fraught. So I, I just say goodies. <laughs> um, it feels like a more positive word around thing things like that. Um, but yeah, so... I when when we started going out with each other or when when we first moved in together I just was astounded that there could be chocolate in the house and he wouldn't touch it whereas I'd be oh, like yeah. eating the whole thing you know and then spiraling into like I hate myself I just ate like massive yeah, yeah. galaxy or whatever um I had I had to relearn over the last couple of years how to listen to my sort of satiety like am I have I had enough now and and it took it, it took a couple of years of just allowing myself to stuff my face basically and I did learn it but Jim learned it when he was a kid because he was just allowed access to yeah, it. Yeah, because it, it wasn't, wasn't restricted. The forbidden. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that I think, I mean, I was talking to somebody about the, the whole kind of psychology of like starting a diet on Monday and finishing everything in the cupboard on a Sunday. Do you know what I mean? Being like, I'm going to eat all the treats. Yeah. And I would kind of be more like, more like that. So more like you with kind of having chocolate in the house being like, how can you have chocolate in the well, house? Well, now we have, we have, a, we have a, a goodies cupboard. And we it's it's packed full and some evenings I go to it and I'll take something or I'll take a load of things depending on my mood and what I feel like and my hunger. And, yeah. And then then I could go four evenings without even looking at it, which is just unthinkable to the way yeah, that I yeah. was brought up. And even now my mother was asking me about it because she was she's like, I just can't have things like that in the house. And I was like, well, you can, but you have to allow yourself to eat them if you want them yeah 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 and, and then I think you'll get to a point where you'll be like oh, I actually don't want it anymore yeah yeah like in in taking away the guilt and taking away the that's a treat and taking away that you have to earn it exactly in some way like it becomes much more normalized and yeah. you also want it less and not moralizing around it like my my mom and now I'm gonna feel bad for saying this but she calls she says Sunday Sunday so she's has her like <laughs> that's very cute. It though. is kind of cute, and I also like it. Especially from a given that we're like so not religious. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I like, like it. I like it from the that biggest point of view. heathen ever. But um, yeah, so she calls it Sunday Sunday, and she's you know, if she wants dessert, she'll have a dessert and that sort of thing. And but I'm only just, on Sunday. Only on Sundays. Oh, okay. And I'm basically like every day Sunday. I'm not like food's not a sin. Yeah. Like I'm eating what I want when I want. Um and then obviously I when I talk about that I get people telling me that I'm promoting obesity and poor uh, there's a there's and, a big market in obesity promotion these days. Oh totally. <laughs> Especially because as far as I'm concerned, obesity is not a thing. I don't think that we should pathologize people's bodies. No, true. Yeah. And I mean, that's something that we were kind of talking about off air beforehand about the, you know, when the question of health comes up with body positivity, I was listening to uh, Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian, uh, her podcast called Made of Human, which I love. And she was talking about, uh, she was talking to a body positive activist who, whose name I've totally forgotten. Um, she's based in New Zealand and she's a body positive academic. I think her name's Kat something, but I just can't remember. Um, but I will put it in the notes, uh, in the in the podcast notes, so you can look it up. But the podcast is really worth listening to. And she was talking about how when people ask her now, well, what about health? And what about the health implications? She basically says to them, unless you are a doctor, and not just a doctor, but my doctor, I am not talking to you about my health. Absolutely. She's like, it's none of your business. And what we're talking about isn't actually the health or lack thereof yeah. associated with being fat. It's about affording fat people the same respect and the same right to feel proud about themselves and to feel beautiful and to feel happy and exist in this world without judgment and discrimination yeah. that we afford thin people. Absolutely. Because you just can't see health. And I would, I 
drove myself absolutely cuckoo on Snapchat. I was blue in the face. Trying to explain that. Trying to, no, to explain that people could be healthy at all sizes. And I would go into like citing academic articles and, you know, um, just because somebody's living in a bigger body doesn't mean they're unhealthy and stuff. And then after I had my like, oh, I'm so exhausted of this. And I'm stepping away from it and my mental health is more important and yada yada. Um, And then I came back to Instagram and my Instagrams and then started doing Instagram stories and that kind of started building up again. I said to myself, oh God, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want like a following. I hate yeah, using that I, word. But I'm not sure I want to do this I, again. I know, I'm not sure I want to do this again, but it's happening. And people were like, oh, I found you. Like that kind of thing. I loved you on Snapchat and I found you. I was that like, sounds kind of creepy. I'm, You're like, but I, I left for a reason. <laughs> well, I, don't, I, I didn't mind that, but I was just kind I of like... I was one of those it was people, like, kind by of like, the way. Dun, dun, dun. Oh no. <laughs> like just, it's happening again. And, and am I st- going to start getting all these what about health messages? And um, like... Why can't I, you know, what I get given a hard time because I'm skinny yeah. and this kind of thing. I was just like, oh, God, and all the work I had to do. And I just said, you know what? I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm just going to say to people that nobody owes the world their health. It's nobody else's business. And Google it. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good that's a good response for 99% of queries I think you get, one gets on But also media. as well, I kind of feel like the, pe- the what about health people aren't actually really there to learn. They're, it's just... No. Some Okay, there are some people who genuinely are kind of confused and because we've been told so much that it's not healthy or whatever. Yeah. So, but you can usually gauge it. So I, I I put up a post a few weeks ago and someone <laughs> replied saying that I was promoting obesity and that health was. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. the most important thing and stuff. I was like, not only that, like talking about health erases so many people, you, you know, people who are ill yeah, or people yeah. who have disabilities or people who aren't in full health, you know. So yeah. so focusing on that is actually ableist and unfair on people with chronic illness or disease. So there's that element as well. But I just... I replied to her and I was like, I'm not talking to you about this. Because I just knew from the tone Mm. that she didn't want, she wasn't there to learn. She was just there to tell me, you're wrong, I'm right, the end. So it's just like, if you want to, you can Google it. And I left that up for 10 minutes and then I was like, actually, no, I'm blocking her. (laughs) No, I mean. Because I was just like, I'm just going to block people who. Yeah, and that's totally don't. I'm too, I'm six months pregnant. I'm raising, I'm I'm stay-at-home mother with a, like a very spirited <laughs> child who is exhausting and I have enough to deal with. Yeah. The idea of work and unpaid labour is really interesting to me kind of as you touched on there with basically 
I feel like social media opens up the door for people to demand a lot of you. Mm-hmm. And I think you've probably had that experience. And then, they, I've had and that then experience. they tell you that, well, you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. So like, h- how do you decide what work you're willing to put in? In the last 72 hours, I've had the most frustrating conversation with somebody who I was talking about trolls and I was going like, this is just gross. Uh, and I wasn't saying forums like Reddit shouldn't exist. I was just saying these people are assholes. Mm. And she replied and was like, well, how are they any worse than you talking about what people should or shouldn't do with their kids? Or I think she said something about um, about you belittling rape victims by talking about your story, oh. which wasn't rape and this kind of etc, etc. Oh, it's your one. Well, I think it's actually a <laughs> different one. one part of that? Mm. Well, yeah, I, 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 there I think it seem to be. Yeah, so there a was a couple of women with agendas. Yeah, there were. have been a few people who kind of keep bringing up. Um, I wrote a piece on my blog, and I'll link it below about um, an experience I had. Trigger warning: rape um, in college, and a lot of people disagreed with the definition, which is, you know, we, people are totally, totally entitled to their opinions, and I was you kind don't of get to discount. It's, it's very, it's not fair on you that. Nobody else gets to tell you about your experience. No. Um, but what I was going to say was that there are certain times when I'm 100% not engaging with this. And then over the last three days, I don't know, I was feeling kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to get into it with you and I'm not going to give up until you give up. And yeah. we had this ridiculous back and forth where she was going, you clearly have a lot of time on your hands. And I was basically like, listen, Jennifer, if the choices you've made in life are making you unhappy and you wish you had more time, that's something you need to deal with on your own time. But she, like, she was basically saying, I have kids and I have a full-time job. And I was like, well, well, I don't. But that's not my fault. You know what I mean? That, yeah. Like, that's not your fault. That's not my fault. Um, or, or rather, that is our fault entirely that we've chosen these paths. People are so have these such blinkered views of the world sometimes. It's like believing that their experience is the universal experience. Yeah, and I think, so, I, mean, I think it's an easy trap to fall into if you don't totally, try to think outside it. Tot- it. It totally is. Yeah. And it's very normal, very human. Yeah, but we just have to, to kind of push ourselves to think, like, my perspective isn't the only one. Exactly. But, like, how do you decide when you're going to engage? Like, are you like me in that you're like, you know, some, like some days I'm in the mood to be kind of bold or, like, a little bit playful in a kind of a, you know what, I'm just going to get into this because you're being ridiculous? Or do you have a, you know what I mean? Like, like how do you define what you're willing to work at? Oh, <laughs> it honestly could be just my humour and do I feel like defending myself today or am I just better off ignoring them? I get absolutely so irritated when people say to me, just ignore the haters. Because I'm like, no. So when I was on Snapchat and I was getting a lot of people disagreeing with me. And you know what? Like, the things I was talking about do oftentimes push ideas that are, I guess, with any sort of activism or dismantling of any kind of oppression, people are going to feel uncomfortable with the ideas. That is normal. Yeah. And they're sometimes going to want to rail against it and debate it. From my being a quote-unquote follower of your Snapchat, you weren't talking about the colour you were painting your living room. Do you know what I mean? Like, you weren't going, I've gone for this cool beige and these, like, slightly cooler beige curtains. Like, you were talking about, like, the Eighth Amendment. You were talking about, for a while, about having had a miscarriage. And I think a lot of people disagreed or kind of felt that they had a right to disagree with your choice to share that. You were talking mm-hmm. about body positivity when people were accusing you of promoting obesity. So there were a lot of topics that people considered divisive. Whether yeah. or not they should be is kind of another yeah. question. And I remember a friend of mine saying to me, the fact that you're pissing people off means that you're doing something good. Yeah. That it's a conversation Because you're pushing people out, out of there. You're pushing yeah. people out of their comfort zones and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, that's fine but oh yeah that's what I was saying that basically when people tell you to just ignore the haters that was the thing that happened on Snapchat was I was like it's really hard to ignore it because Mm -hmm. and I know and I know there's the whole thing of you've put yourself out there yes there's that there is that there is that element but I never wanted to be like famous or anything like not that I am but I do have people who I don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. come up to me and say, oh, I watch your Instagram yeah. stories or whatever, which is always really nice, but also like, oh, that's weird, weird yeah. to think yeah. about. I mean, it is a certain type of fame or like infamy, isn't it? 
like there's the, it's the exposure like, micro fame I guess. it's exposure like that you, yeah. you you do feel exposed it's really hard to ignore the haters you get to hear the inside of people's heads what they think about you all the time mm. and nobody freaking needs to hear that no like no. if anybody could hear the inside of my head if i think something negative or disagree with somebody on who's talking about something on Instagram stories, I rarely send them a message. And did you ever? Because I'm like, it's expecting, that's expecting work from them. Yeah. No, because I've basically curated my Instagram to be all women that I agree with. That you like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, they all have amazing opinions. I rarely agree. And I just, I do engage. I do send messages and I, and I love engagement. Mm. Like sometimes I find it a bit weird that there's people who've never said hello or never. Never engaged. But never engaged. Yeah. And that's the, actually the majority of mm. people. And sometimes I'm like are they just watching me I get paranoid I'm like are they just watching me and they're going god she's an just like yeah yeah the kind so, of hate following yeah so yeah. I, I, I do worry about I do kind of get a bit paranoid about that sometimes hearing people's thoughts about you like that on a daily basis is really really wearing yeah it, it does get you, it does get you down well it it kind of reminds me of that episode of Buffy I think I'm going to probably talk about an episode of Buffy in every single podcast that I ever do <laughs> but it reminds me of that episode of Buffy where she's suddenly able to hear people's thoughts and it, and it starts driving her mad yeah because that's exactly it's like you I, I have not seen thoughts. this episode of Buffy I'm have you sorry seen, have Rosemary. you seen Buffy I've seen, Buffy I've seen some of it I, I served um who? When I served David Boreanaz, is that how you pronounce Boreanaz. I served him once in a restaurant. Like, was it back in. in the day when he was a real total right? It was in the, it was in 1999. Oh my God, I bet he was fucking lasher, was Like, he? I couldn't talk. I couldn't <laughs> speak. I was just basically like stood in front of him until he said what he wanted. <laughs> I didn't you know even what? say, would you like to order? I was just like, I know, because he's so beautiful and he's very tall as well. And he? I'm the most embarrassingly starstruck person ever. Like, when I worked in another restaurant, my boss made me move sections because Dave Fanning was in my section. And I was like, oh my God, it's Dave Fanning, like completely flipping out. I was like, the restaurant was like 10 minutes from RTE. Like it was, we were practically the canteen. Yeah, yeah. And For people who were too fancy to go to the actual canteen. Yeah, exactly. But you know, um, similarly, I saw Anne Doyle once in Jervis Street and I said hello to her because I thought she was someone I knew. And I'd say she gets that a lot. Okay. It's that kind of very familiar face where I was like, oh, hi, yeah. Like, you're, you're my mom's friend. Hi, how yeah. are you? And then I walked away and went, oh my God, that was hand oil. Um, and another person actually probably liked the David Boreanaz thing. Uh, I have had several Twitter kind of arguments with Brezzy where okay. like I don't agree with what he's saying and, and, and when we'll have a little back and forth. Um, kind of, I think in the last year I've definitely got less argumentative. I'm less likely to, 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 to initiate the arguments, say, than Twitter I used is. to be. But yeah, I used to be I used to be quite kind of argumentative on Twitter, and we'd have several we'd had several kind of Barneys where I'd been a bit rude to him, and he'd been a bit defensive, rightly. And then I saw him at a Super Value event a couple of months ago, and I was literally like, "Oh my god, he's so tall, and he's very good looking in real life." And then I was really mortified <laughs> that he might see me and be like, "There's that bitch; she's always fighting with me on Twitter," and I just had to leave. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I believe he's a dreamboat. He's he's very very <laughs> tall and very good looking. Okay. Yeah, fine Mullingar stock. It sounds really like I'm auctioning them off. It sounds really gross. Um, one of the, um, the other things that you talk about a lot, this is really like, now I'm just going to tell you all the things that you're interested in. One of the things that I... Have, well, I, you were talking about something I said last week in the in the last po- po- podcast. Yeah, no, no, I know. I and know. I was like, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so I'm like, I may as well have you on so I can just accuse you of having said all these things <laughs> to your face. Good. You talk a lot about self-care. And... Interestingly, one of the podcasts, one of the other podcasts I listen to a lot is uh, The High Low, by, which I mentioned in the last podcast as well. I need to find new podcasts to talk about. But Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes are two very posh London journalists. And they were talking about self-care and saying that they really dislike the phrase because they think it's really self-indulgent and, you know, that it's just kind of Well, they're probably stupid... mistaking it for... Sorry. Well, no, 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 you're fine. But they were kind of saying it's a stupid phrase for something that we all kind of are entitled to anyway. And it struck me that sometimes I feel like very people in positions of privilege are really like, we don't need that phrase. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because they're like, they have time and money to have baths and do face masks. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like other people having to take time out. And that's Um, not a good... And I think a lot of people think that that's what self-care is, is pampering. 
And sometimes self-care is actually just saying I'm going to go easy on myself today and allow myself to stay in my pyjamas and mope around the house. Mm. Or conversely, I'm going to get up, get dressed and go out for a walk. Yeah. You know, it's doesn't, but it, it doesn't but it can necessarily also be pampering as well. Like, it can be pampering. In in my defense. And I do and, and I and I like a good pampering. Um that sounds really rude for some reason. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> like it was the way you said it. Yeah. <laughs> um but I <laughs> sorry, I'm just laughing now. I'm just imagining your man from the Simpsons going, That's a paddling. <laughs> Um, anyway, I do, I do enjoy pampering. I do enjoy pampering myself. I love doing face masks. I love having baths, that sort of thing. Love going for a massage. But it can all, for me, frequently my self-care looks like cooking. I find that really, um, therapeutic. Yeah, whereas I really don't, so that would not be my idea of... My idea of self-care is like ordering a takeaway and allowing myself to watch six episodes of something on Netflix in a row without feeling guilty that well, I should be doing that, something else. There's that do you know there's I mean? that element too and I do sometimes, you know, say I'm not... Well, in my house, I'm the only one who cooks. So, and Jim does all the cleaning. But... Um, but you are are the stay-at-home mom. Like, like you're... Are, like. We have a very know, unusual yeah, situation because, because Jim Jim's works. In a band, isn't he? He's in a he's in a band, so he works kind of oddly sporadic. Well, he works out. He works every every weekend night and a lot of weeknights. Yeah, but he's there during. We're both there during the yeah, day. Yeah, so he's like he doesn't walk off with his suitcase at eight a.m. going bye, honey, and no, come home at six. No. Yeah. But he does leave at bedtime, which is really annoying. Do you think because he... if any parents listening will know, bedtime is fraught. Do you think he ever is like, I don't really need to leave for an hour, but I'm getting out of here? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I would absolutely <laughs> string him up. No. What he's, was that? Um, isn't there very... some book where, uh, I don't know if you've read it, and I can't remember what book it was, where... The couple, she discovers that her husband has been saying that he's been going to work or something and she finds out, oh no, he's he's working on his book and I think she's left at home minding the kid and then she calls over to his mother one day and realises that he's been going to his mom's and sleeping. And, and like they have a really small baby and they have this huge, like it's almost, I think it's almost the end of their relationship where she's like, you've been lying to me and like robbing me yeah. of this time when you could have been helping because especially you've been like when, napping. Especially when you have a newborn, a small baby, it's just... I used to call it the tired Olympics. Like, who is more tired? Oh yeah, yeah. So. Oh god! Just the more I sound, the more, I, the more I hear about having children, the less enticing it sounds. <laughs> the kids are. Cute. I like, kids am going cute. to plead the fifth. I'm talking about <laughs> kids at the moment, <laughs> and whether or not I recommend it. Okay, okay. So we'll so. we'll. Uh, Revisit. We're, we're having a uh, we're we're having a bit of a, a little bit of a tough time with my three and a half year old at the moment. Yeah, it's just whatever phase he's in. It might be to do with the fact that I'm pregnant, and he knows he knows there's, there's a baby coming to baby. Me. Yeah, he's yeah. very aware of it. So there's a few there's a few different things, but he's spirited, very very spirited. My sister is <laughs> um, pregnant as well. I think she's due in May, and her. Uh, her son, she should murder me for saying this, but it's really funny. Her son said to her one day, Mom, you are a big lady. Right? <laughs> so when she was getting changed in the morning and she said, oh, you know, and like being pregnant, I think she was very like, oh, he's noticed my bump. And she goes, do you think there might be some, you know, like, why do you think that is? Do you think there's some reason for that? And he goes, no, you have always been a very big lady. <laughs> <laughs> She was really peeved. But her husband actually stays at home and he looks after the kids and she works full time. And one of the things... Oh, I'd say... (laughs) I say it all the time. I'd say society are really cool about that. Well, that's actually what I was going to say, that a lot of the time when I mention to people that her husband stays at home, they say things like, how does she feel about him not working? And I'm going, well, they have three kids. So he does work like pretty hard, actually. You know, and I mean, I'm not as defensive as that about it because they're not my kids and it's not my husband, you know, but I'm always really taken aback when people are like, oh, so he doesn't work. Yeah. I'm like, no, he he does. He works really hard. <laughs> like, that's really difficult. Yeah. And do you th- like. Well, consider considering people are spending 30,000 quid a year on, on childcare. Child care, yeah. And would like more for three of them. 
Oh yeah. They live in Indiana in the middle of nowhere and if they were to to do the childcare thing, I think it would be like a half hour drive there and a half hour drive back. So you're adding in more and more time. But do you think that that's, as a stay-at-home mom, do you feel like your role or your work in that area is valued or undervalued by society? You know, what's what's the reaction you get? Or like, how do you feel oh, saying like, it? Do you feel weird saying it? I hated saying it. So, okay, up until last year as well, I was quite heavily involved in pro-choice activism and I took a step back from that as well for various reasons. I'm hoping to get involved again now before the referendum starts. Is an, is You're going to be busy. I'd just like to point out. I know, yeah. So, and um, anyway, I, I would always say I'm a stay-at-home parent, but I'm also an activist. I'm also a pro-choice yeah. activist. I'm, I'm involved in Parents for Choice. Hey, Parents for Choice people, you're all awesome. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say that because I felt like I needed to give... And then I was like, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm not mm. going to say that I'm a pro-choice activist or a body positive activist anymore because there's nothing wrong with it's being enough. a stay-at-home parent. It's yeah. enough. But I felt, viscerally felt, like people were completely disinterested once I said I was a stay-at-home parent. And I did have one woman say to me, oh, but you're so smart. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> all the more reason to be at home making my child smart too but um, this is the thing so as a woman you can't win because you're criticised if you go yeah. to work as well and then I have to say I personally as a stay at home parent and I this is just my own situation I'm not projecting this onto anybody else who's a stay at home parent I have so many privileges we're really lucky we're very, comf- we're very comfortably off with a lovely home we live a quiet, slow-paced life, which is how I like it, and I don't, and I refuse to feel guilty for it because everybody insists that you be busy all the time, and I'm like, no, thanks. Um, I've, I do have loads of privileges. We get to go on a nice holiday every year, yada yada. So I don't really include myself in the kind of like, um, capitalism benefits from the unpaid labour of women. Which it absolutely does. But I don't include myself in that because I'm like, I feel like I have a very cushy, privileged life. Yeah. I don't feel like it when Frank is having massive meltdown. meltdown and I'm like, <laughs> oh God. But I feel like a bit of a fraud being a, a voice in any way for that yeah. kind of stay at home mum's. Well, like, you don't feel like you're in the bracket of, like, stay-at-home moms who are at home and working really hard and being kind of put upon and judged by society and having a tough time. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're like, kind we, of going, like, like Frank's, Frank's in Montessori five mornings a week, so I have free time. Um, I gyms, know, gyms there a lot as gyms well. Gyms there yeah. a lot. We, we, have, we have a cleaner, you know. I have all these amazing privileges that so many women don't have that I feel... I feel wrong claiming that yeah. space for myself of being like, oh, poor us, poor stay-at-home mums, or more specifically, poor me. I don't feel I don't feel that way. Um, but I do feel that. So yeah, so I did have someone say to me, "But you're so smart," and it was really offend. I was really offended and hurt by it. It was just like. You know, what I'm doing isn't of any less value to the the high career yeah. woman. Um, but yeah, so, but this is the thing that lots of my friends are parents who work full time. And I just can't believe how much they have to do. But, yeah. And especially women, because they still have to do so much in the home. Yeah as well as having their full-time jobs. So that's part of the reason why I personally wouldn't put myself in the bracket of having a hard time or being oppressed in any way. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's to do with the fact as well that society tends to forgive, quote-unquote, women who give up work, quote-unquote, to look after their kids when there's an economic imperative. Do you know what I mean? So they go, oh, well, she gave up work because they just couldn't afford to put the child in childcare. So you're, so you're not in that bracket. So it is a, like there is a difference there. Well, it wouldn't have been... by society. It wouldn't have been... Um, 
it wouldn't have been economically sound for me to continue with the work. So before I did go back, I went back to work for eight months uh, when Frank was nine months old. I went back to work for eight months and it was more from, it was more just to, I went back part time. I was a massage therapist. Um, Went back part time and in the end, even though it was only part time, I was just like, I'm not making enough money and I'm not, I wasn't earning enough to justify it. And I, and I was like, I want to be at home as, yeah. as well. So we're lucky that we can make that choice yeah, and yeah. I can stay at home. But now I'm in the position of going like, what the hell am I going to, because I don't want to go back to being a massage therapist. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do when I grow up, <laughs> when I move away from, but I'm having another kid. So obviously that's a, just keep having kids, yeah. but but one fewer than you had originally planned because it's better for the environment. So just <laughs> pretend you were going to have six and just have five. OK, like, I think I think that's I am definitely not having five children. <laughs> I'm like shop is closed after this baby arrives, as far as I'm concerned. I just don't know. Like there's a woman um, who comes to the gym who is actually the sister of the owner of the gym that I work in. And she has four kids and she'll sometimes come to class and bring two of them. So she's like breastfeeding the baby in between sets yeah. and then puts the baby back in the straw. And then and the other kid's like playing in the corner. It's amazing, but I just yeah. don't know how she does it. Um, Superwoman. I know. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. But the last thing, and this is something that I'm planning on asking everybody, is is there anything that you'd like to get off your chest? Is there anything that you're that's driving you mad at the moment or anything that you're loving and that you want to talk about? Um, so obviously, uh, when you're pregnant, it's quite all consuming. So I'm thinking about a lot of pregnancy stuff at the moment. And obviously, both my sisters are very recently pregnant, too. They've both had their babies now. Um, Did you plan that? The no, three of you? No. So that'd be gas. Like, let's all have a baby this year. No, it wasn't <laughs> something that we all discussed. Like my older sister, we didn't I didn't know that she was even thinking of having another kid. And uh, and then my younger sister, I knew that she wanted a kid, but I didn't know it was like yeah imminent imminent yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we all ended up being pregnant at the same time, which was pretty cool. Um, but uh, just obviously because the three of us we've been all discussing our different experiences within the maternity system, and there is just so much mistrust in women and their bodies and their ability their body's ability to birth in the Irish maternity system Mm. I don't know if it's just the Irish maternity system I think um it's definitely in the states and stuff as well and um it just feels like there's always someone who's going to say something that makes you scared or kind of doubting your yeah. yourself and what what your body's able to do and that kind of thing yeah so that's that's been bugging me lately but um but I'm so delighted to have a new niece and nephew so that's on the positive side of things I'm like really really excited about them <laughs> she loves like every single podcast she's gonna nose her way in the dog into the room and just come in like wagging her tail really excited um I mean, speaking of, I guess, maternity care in Ireland, one of the things I, I had planned on, on this always being a segment where we give out about something because I do love to complain. But I mean, who doesn't? But <laughs> one of the things that speaking of maternity care that has been quite good this week is Michal Martin coming out and saying that it's he fantastic is going to support the, the campaign to repeal, yeah. which is incredible. And what I also loved was I saw the most amazing uh, petition today on Twitter from young Fianna Fallers basically saying that they want him out of the party because this is not what Fianna Fáil stands for. And it was honestly, it was the most... Because it isn't what Fianna Fáil stands for. So no, it's, that's why it's even more shocking. And but it was just like the most amazingly, badly written little petition of somebody who's literally at home in a rage and is like banging words out in the keyboard and going, Michal Martin does not represent me. Like Fianna Fáil is about family and it's about pro-life and it's, mm, and it's really, really amazing. Your time up. Young Fianna Fáiler. And and when I looked at it, it had 34 signatories and it said, help us get to 100. I just thought it was so good. So that is what's making me very happy. The the thing about Micheál Martin is he's obviously a great career politician because I don't doubt that him doing that was self-serving and he he knows that that's what the people want. Yeah. And that's why I think like Leo Varadkar so far has just been sitting on the fence and won't give his own opinion and it's... 
like really stupid of him. Yeah. Could Michal Martin be our next problematic ride? First it was Prince Philip, now it's Michal Martin. Oh God. No, no. I don't think Jesus. So. <laughs> the faces. No politicians ever. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm sure. Mm. What's what's that young guy's name? There's the nice redhead from the inner city whose name I can't remember. Oh, Gary. Yes. Oh yeah, he is. Gary Gannon is a Gary, Gary Gannon. Gannon. Yeah, he's, he's a social democrat, isn't he? Yeah, he's a bit of a ride. And the Minister for Housing, what's his name again? Owen Murphy. Yeah. But I'm here going, okay, I just said that Owen Murphy is right. And I'm like, every feminist in Ireland's going to hate me now. No, but he is cute, like in a very boyish kind of way. Oh, I, I, he's, uh, his constituency is where my mum lives. And this is a few years ago. There was a street party on my mum's road and he came along, obviously doing his Shirtless. politician thing. And we were all like, swoon, he's so attractive. He's, you know, doesn't stand for anything I believe in. But anyway. Sure, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, it's like Romeo and Juliet, you know. Oh. <laughs> can, I say one, yeah. can I say one last thing? Yeah. <laughs> and it's going back to something from really early in the podcast as well, is that another one of the reasons why I stopped, why I stopped doing the body positive Ireland thing. And I don't mind if this... But just to say as well that I am terrified, still terrified of being an outspoken feminist on the internet for <laughs> for two reasons, for being for being trolled by MRAs and the mm-hmm. likes. And also that I just feel like at some point the feminist community who are doing so much great stuff but it's like nobody is ever good enough. Yeah. And I don't want to end up being the person that there's that backlash against. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think definitely being an outspoken feminist on Twitter or in any form of social media, like you do get an awful lot of shit and it can be and easier it to it, deal with on some days than others. And yeah. then other days you get a flood of it and it can be so overwhelming and so difficult to deal with. Yeah. I was listening to um, Louise McSharry's podcast with uh, where she's, talking to Louise O'Neill yeah I haven't listened to that one yet it's great and Louise O'Neill saying that she took a huge step back from social media in 2017 because she was getting such a hard time and I it just reiterated again in my head I was just like I don't want that sort of profile where you're attracting Mm. and you get it too Jeepers, you, yeah. you get I mean, it really badly, so... I get it less now than I used to because I am less outspoken and probably for a lot... Like, not less outspoken, I'm just less frequently outspoken, if you yeah. know what I mean. Like, I will occasionally come out with, like, extreme feminist statements, but I just don't do it as often as I used to because I need to be... It needs to be on the day when I've, like, got up and I've had a good day and I have my armour on and I'm ready because it can't be on one of the days where I'm feeling really low and I'm feeling really terrible and then I go on and I get this barrage of abuse because those are the days that I can't deal with it. Yeah. So it just depends and it's yeah. this kind of... And I just, the, the type of person I am, I'm just, I know I won't, wouldn't be able to handle it and anytime I do get criticism, I'm crap at handling it. So um, that was another, another one of the reasons why I stepped back. Yeah. yeah. And with that... This has been episode two of How To Be Sound. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being with me today. You're very welcome. Where can people find you? Do you want them to? (laughs) No, I'm hiding. Um, Yeah, no, you can come and you can add me on Instagram um, where you'll find me waffling on Instagram stories, either cooking or talking about social justice, feminist issues. Um, My... Handle is ridiculously complicated and nobody can ever catch it. But anyway, it's it's ITS underscore or to the B or the number two, the B. Yeah, told you it was complicated. It's, it's just like that Billy Piper song. Honey to the B. Yeah. Uh, we will put it in the show notes if if you can find it. And, and on Twitter? On Twitter, I'm just Becca Fly. Which is, why couldn't you have done that on Instagram as well? I guess somebody had already taken it oh, by the time bastards. I made it to Instagram. Bastards. So. I'm really sorry now that I didn't just do Rosemary on everything. Because when I joined like Twitter and Instagram and even Gmail, it was quite like, no, I'm a very early adopter. It was quite early. I'm like, why did I bother putting my complicated A in the Mac surname? Okay. But 
You can find me everywhere at Rosemary McCabe with an A in my Mac, rosemarymccabe.com. And if you want to email the podcast, if you have any questions, observations, it's info at rosemarymccabe.com. Thank you so much to my producer, Liam Garrity. Uh, You can find his podcast at Meet Your Maker everywhere you listen to podcasts. And please do rate and review How to Be Sound on iTunes. It really helps not just my ego, but also other people to find the podcast and hopefully listen in and enjoy it too. And a big thank you, of course, goes to Revive Active for sponsoring this episode of How to Be Sound. You can take 15% off your order at reviveactive.com by using the code SOUND at checkout. That's 15% off your Revive Active order at reviveactive.com with promo code SOUND. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.